Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America, and happy Friday. So glad to join you today. Very exciting day in Washington. A lot of news going on, a lot of fallout from the FBI hearings yesterday, the whistleblower hearings, three FBI whistleblowers talking about what they said was retaliation, why their security clearances were suspended because they raised questions about the FBI's narrative on January 6th or the testimony of Director Chris Ray. Those are really serious matters. And their loyalty to their country, their patriotism was questioned by the FBI for very basic things. And that was one of the big, big headlines that I think a lot of people missed yesterday. On a separate note, there's something else that really is alarming. I I hinted at it yesterday. I really want to dig into it today with our first guest, Professor Alan Dershowitz, the great constitutional lawyer, scholar, author of 50 books, including the best-selling book, Get Trump, which has gotten a lot of attention in the last few months and really is more than about getting Trump. It's about the destruction of, uh, of core civil liberty protections in America. Yesterday, the Congress elicited testimony, and Congress said that they had affirmed this. That's why it's in their official report for the whistleblowing hearing, that the FBI obtained records, bank records of Americans, January 6th suspects, defendants, or just attendees, without a warrant from a bank, because Bank of America just turned them over. That's what Congress said. Now, we've tried to reach out several times to the bank thus far. We haven't heard anything back from them, but I'd like to get their side of the story. However, this is a big story. It's a big question about how far can the FBI go to get someone's bank records without getting court approval, without having to go to a court and having the Fourth Amendment and due process and protection done. So we're going to kick the show off today with Alan Dershowitz, a real treat. He is, as you know, a liberal law professor who supported Joe Biden, but he has tremendous concerns about what the FBI has done, particularly right now to conservatives. He talks about a new area of McCarthyism. In fact, his next book is going to be about McCarthyism in the modern era. I guess we might be talking soon about Adam Schiff again, uh, who I have said many times has many of the same tactics that Joe McCarthy used 60 years ago in America. Now, in addition to that, we also have one of the whistleblowers who testified before Congress yesterday, Steve Friend. He spent some time with Amanda and I last night on television. We're going to play that interview for you, adapt it to the podcast I think you really enjoy that. And then because the other big story in Washington is, will we have a deal? Will we default on the debt? Will we finally cut some spending after trillions of drunken spending the last few years in the name of pandemics and clean energy and other causes that the left has championed? We're going to have a really great conversation 
with a good friend of mine, somebody I trust a lot, Brandon Arnold from the National Taxpayers Union. He's a really great voice, a wise, sage voice on the budget, on the debt deal. He's going to talk to us about what's going on. Is he optimistic about a deal? What does spending look like? And oh, one of the things that the Biden economy has created is a sudden rise, you know, very steep rise in interest rates, which means borrowing money is more expensive for your credit cards, for your houses for buying a new car. But guess what also it's more expensive for? The United States government to service its $32.5 trillion in debt. That's right. Interest rates are going up so much that the soon there's projections that just the interest payments alone for the United States government will be a trillion dollars a year. Think about that. Well, Brandon Arnold from the National Taxpayers Union is going to give us some pause and some facts and some very important things. And so information on that front, it really is something we need to keep an eye on. It's your wallet too. The American wallet is the your wallet, my wallet, everyone's wallet. It's time to spend less and start saving some more cash until we start to balance that budget in. Brandon's going to give us a readout on that. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll kick the show off with the one, the only, Alan Dershowitz, one of the greatest constitutional law professors and lawyers of his generation. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, Add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute alternative for care from a health care provider. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. The next guest needs no introduction. He is one of the greatest legal minds of our generation. Professor Emeritus at Harvard University, author of 50 books, including my new favorite book, Get Trump, because it's not just about Trump. It's about the rule of law and the threat to civil liberties. And we've got a perfect issue on that topic today to discuss with him. He is our good friend, Alan Dershowitz. Alan, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Always a pleasure to be on with you. We love having you on. You call balls and strikes, and people love that in an era when people try to hide strikes and balls. So I want to go right to this very important issue. Today, there were several whistleblowers from the FBI. They were appeared before the House Judiciary Committee. They made an allegation that the House Judiciary Committee says it has substantiated that during the aftermath of the January 6th riot, the crimes that occurred on the Capitol Hill, that some people had their bank records obtained by the FBI without a warrant. Banks just handed them over, didn't need a request, didn't have any instrument or court approving it. Seems like we're in a new era of civil liberties here. How would you referee for us what might be going on here, what, what the potential danger is to freedom? There's a great danger to freedom. Uh, banks should not be turning records, private records over. The next thing, doctors will be turning over private records and priests and rabbis. And uh, You just can't start violating people's pro- privacy without a court order. It's so easy today to get a subpoena, a court order. Courts don't really look behind the government request, but to go without even a court order and just willy-nilly get records and the bank being complicit in that. I have to tell you, if it was my bank, I take the money out right away and put it in a bank that promises me that it wouldn't turn over my records without a court order. Yeah. We've reached out to Bank of America. We haven't heard anything. By the way, it's one of the banks I use, but it is very concerning when you hear this and the sort of laissez-faire. And one of the things that came out at the hearing today, and I think it's one of the dangers of when civil liberties often get bowled over, usually when there's a lot of emotion, when there's a lot of outrage, sometimes the temptation is it's easier to cut corners because, well, people were upset about January 6th. They were upset about 9-11, but that's when the Constitution seems to be its most important. That's when you really got to hang to the law. Well, that's that's why I'm writing a new book, uh, be out in about a year, called The New McCarthyism, because I remember the old McCarthyism. Everybody was so upset with communism for good reason. Communism is a horrible, horrible thing that they were willing to use McCarthyism uh, and use tactics like that. And I thought we had buried McCarthyism with Joe McCarthy, but apparently he's gotten out of his grave and uh, <laughs> uh, he's now infested the Democrats. And uh, it's no better when Democrats use McCarthyism than when Republicans did. No, banks should not turn over a single record. What, what, if, what do you think would happen if the FBI called me and said, you know, we'd like you to turn over your records of conversations you've had with your client? You know, I would tell them to pound sand. I'm not doing that. If you try to get a court order, I'll oppose it. But my primary obligation is to my clients and a bank's primary obligation is to its customers. And I have to tell you, I do some banking at Bank of America, and I'm going to be making some phone calls uh, to make sure that they're not going to apply. that. I have nothing to hide, but I don't want my bank records, my charitable contributions, all of that to be turned over to government officials without any cause whatsoever. Yeah, that is such a very important point. And every customer has a right to express that and check and make sure how they're protected going forward. You mentioned lawyers, and and this gets into the larger extension. It used to be that people with First Amendment rights, journalists and pastors and ministers and lawyers had a special protection under the FBI. But we know of at least two and maybe four circumstances, I think, now where lawyers did not know 
that their phone records or law firm records are being accessed, mostly through Apple iCloud. We just learned of a new one last week, Bud Cummins, former prosecutor. He was a former U.S. attorney in Arkansas. He just found out that three years ago, the FBI took his phone records, which had a lot of lawyer and legal information in them about his clients. Without him, no, he finds out three years later. I know Joe DeGeneva and Victoria Tensing, who once represented me, they had that happen. Rudy Giuliani says it happened to him. It seems like these used to be absolutes. Bank records are absolute. You don't get them. Phone records, you don't get them unless there's a subpoena. Law records, particularly, you wouldn't get them unless there was a really compelling court order. It seems like all of those protections are being bowled over. The FBI doesn't seem to have any fear of bowling over them anymore. Well, Congress should enact legislation laying out what the criteria are before bank records can be subpoenaed, before lawyers' records can be subpoenaed, doctors' records. The American public has the right to privacy. If the government thinks it has an overwhelming need, let it go and get a warrant. Uh, Let a court decide, but it shouldn't be decided by the FBI itself. That's just not the American way. Yeah, and it hasn't been the way we've done it for a long time. It just seems in these last few years, so many of these things have turned over. Well, this is part of Get Trump. This is, you know, these are people, my friends, my old friends who tell me that anything is justified to get Trump. No matter what the Constitution says, it's more important to prevent Trump from running than to protect the Constitution of the United States. They really believe this. They are zealots. And what Justice Brandeis said 100 years ago, the greatest dangers to liberty lurk in people of good intentions, well-meaning, zealous, but without understanding. That's what we're seeing today. It is amazing. And that's why your book, Get Trump, is so powerful. It's really not just about Donald Trump. It's about the mindset that civil liberties could be traded in for some political or personal or emotional agenda. And I think that that's what's so scary even for good reasons. I mean, the Constitution was designed to protect against extreme situations. That's why the subtitle of Get Trump is the threat to civil liberties, due process, and our constitutional rule of law. They are in danger, and we have to do something about it. Yeah, that's such a good thing. Last question, because I think it goes hand in hand with this. There seems to be in the younger generations, maybe the last generation, generation and a half of young adults, a lack of appreciation of the Bill of Rights and of the key fundamental things, particularly the First Amendment. It's worse than a lack of appreciation. They're being taught in universities today that the Constitution is a colonialist, uh, patriarchal, slave-owning document that undercuts the real progressive nature of America, and we shouldn't take it at all seriously. We should be willing to ignore the Constitution for a higher goal. That's what young people today, for the first time in my experience, are being taught by some professors in some universities. And uh, they're they're not only tolerating uh, ignoring the Constitution, they're advocating it. And we're going to see that, by the way, as soon as the Supreme Court comes down with this decision ending race-based affirmative action, we're going to see every major university, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, cheat and try to figure out ways of circumventing that decision and not reduce the number of minority people, but just figure out ways of circumventing just the way they did it in the South in 1962 and 1963 after 1954. Now, obviously in the South, they had good purpose for doing a bad bad purposes, right? Right, right. For trying to circumvent. Today, they think they have a good purpose, but circumventing the Supreme Court, ignoring the Constitution is not the American way. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's so true. And it's such an important moment. And we literally have backpedaled 60 years. I know the people who do it think they have good intentions, but we've gone backwards. And it's, I, I can't even imagine if Martin Luther King Jr. was alive today, what he would say. I, I think he would hit his head and say, I need a V8. He would say, I have a dream and my dream is being turned into a nightmare. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, that is well put. Professor Dershowitz, it's always an honor to have you on. You have such wisdom in an era when we need so much of it. So thank you so much for joining us and giving us that reaction. The FBI stuff just caught us all by surprise today. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, whistleblower Steve Friend, the FBI agent who testified at yesterday's hearing before the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Weaponization of Government. You're going to hear directly from him. Amanda and I spent some time with him. You'll hear that next, right after these commercial messages. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Welcome back, America. As we mentioned at the top of the show, an extraordinary few hours on Capitol Hill today. Three FBI whistleblowers, three gentlemen who served their country in law enforcement. Some of them served in the military. Others served in the police forces before the FBI. All of them came before the Congress to tell them about, to tell lawmakers about their concerns about what's going on. 
in America's premier law enforcement agency. The Democrats not only made some pretty big mistakes in the testimony. They accused one of tweeting something that wasn't his tweet. That was a big oops. But they kept questioning the patriotism, the loyalty, and the service of these men, and even questioned if they really were whistleblowers. It was one of the most despicable displays of attacking whistleblowers I've seen in 30-plus years in Washington. Well, one of those uh, whistleblowers, he stood his ground. We had no doubt about that. We've had him on the show before, former agent and current FBI whistleblower, Steve Friend, and he joins us right now. Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. It was quite a day, to say the least. Uh, I could never imagine 10 years from now, 15 years ago, 30, 20 years ago, Democrats or Republicans, anyone coming and saying, you're not a real whistleblower just because they didn't like the story. But that's basically what Democrats did today. What did that feel like to you? It just felt like more of the same. We were just going to attack the messenger any way possible. Uh, that's why I was actually so grateful to have uh, my attorney there, Tristan Levitt, to sort of walk through for the, those who were interested in actually finding out what whistleblowing is about. So these allegations from the Democrats that uh, the process needs to be fully adjudicated and investigated and eventually gain this label, almost be convicted of it, uh, is just absurd. If you have a reasonable concern of ways fraud abuse or risk to public safety and you make the protected disclosure to the necessary parties, you are, in fact, a whistleblower. Yeah. Right. Steve, I wanted to ask you for just a bit of an overview, because a lot, a lot of our audience, they won't go on Twitter and they probably don't watch C-SPAN. Um, we have had you on numerous times in the past and your attorney, Tristan Livett, um, and we've spoken to both of you about your story. But if you could just kind of recap for our audience, uh, starting with your allegations last year, uh, the retribution that you've experienced, including your wife being suspended from Facebook, is that it? just just give us an update on all of that, if you could. Yeah, I keep saying that we've lived a few years in the last several months. Uh, so I made protective disclosures last uh, last August about my concerns regarding January 6th investigations in my office in Daytona Beach. I felt that the uh, the FBI is not following the rules that it has for indexing the cases and was basically juking the, the stats when it came to domestic terrorism to make it appear that domestic terrorism is around the country and a significant percentage, a significant numbers. Uh, but uh, all of those numbers are derivative of January 6th. So it's, it's just sort of leaving this false illusion. And then I was also very concerned that uh, these broad, large arrest operations and also SWAT being used or to apprehend January 6th subjects who were accused of committing misdemeanor crimes or even for felonies. Uh, they were represented by attorneys and had pledged to cooperate with law enforcement in the event that they were charged. And I thought that that was a risk to their safety. It was a risk to our safety, sort of a la Ruby Ridge or Waco. Uh, brought those forward and uh, eventually my my leadership uh, took those uh, under no almost no consideration said that i was risking my career by uh, making these uh, whistleblowing disclosures to them and uh, eventually contrived a way to suspend my security clearance as opposed to investigating my allegations um, they contrived the reason that said that i improperly accessed an unclassified employee handbook suspended my security clearance. You can't be a, an agent without a clearance. And that process uh, could take years actually to adjudicate. And this, in essence, put me into an unpaid status to pressure me to resign. So in the intervening 150 days, um, I was subject to leaks of my medical records to the New York Times, as well as allegations that I was actually under investigation for shooting a firearm in my backyard. The uh, inspection division from the FBI put a gag order on me in an email, said that I was not allowed to discuss this issue with my attorney or with my family. Uh, my 
wife lost her, her job a few weeks after I uh, was suspended. And then her Facebook account was suspended half an hour after she sent a private message to a woman from Moms for Liberty who had uh, asked if she could help. And my wife said, look, can you just share his message online? And 30 minutes later, her account was suspended for violating community standards. And that's just going into it. Then we went further into denying me the ability to seek outside employment. Uh, actually not furnishing my training records, which I would need to gain outside employment. So it all culminated with uh, my eventual resignation this February, on February 15th, the morning that I testified the first time in a transcribed interview for the Weaponization Subcommittee. I want to ask a question that may be hard to answer right now, particularly after a day like today when new coals were thrown on your fire, right? Uh, uh, Dan Goldman, I think, suggested you were a bought and paid for witness because you accepted some charity from a Cash Patel charity that helps families like yours. Um, was this worth it? Worth it? Was it w worth it to you to be able to tell the American public what's wrong with the Bureau, even at all the personal expense that has come for you? I think so. Uh, I took my oath very seriously when I did, and I've come to like the phrase that the, the oath doesn't expire until you do. Um, I think that I was, I'm still in keeping with my oath to bring my concerns forward. And uh, when I lay my head down at night, um, I'll be able to sleep. And uh, I've sort of ensured that I've set an example for my two young children that uh, the truth always matters. And uh, when it comes to being uh, accused of being a rifter, I think you just have to look at the facts in this. I gave up uh, a very lucrative salary, my dream career, a career that I pursued for a long time to get. And uh, I did so. And if you think that I did that in the hopes that I would receive a small donation several months later from a gentleman who I've never met in my entire life, uh, I think that you're deluding yourself. Steve, there was a, a common theme that I found between the three of you who testified today. And, and like John said, it's service to your country, a love for this country, a, a desire to better our country. And I'm trying to remember all of the investigations and, and categories that were under your purview. But I do, I do think that crimes against children was one of the things that you investigated. Uh, but, but as you alleged initially, you've got the FBI prioritizing January 6th, conservatives, Catholics, Christians, pro-lifers, the list goes on and on, prioritizing those cases and deprioritizing the quote-unquote bad guys. I hate to ask this and be so grim about it, but how many bad guys are getting through in lieu of these other cases being prioritized? Well, I can speak to my personal experience. I had a number of open investigations with uh, child pornography issues and human trafficking issues and uh, was told that they were going to be a local matter. And uh, those were handed over to the locals for investigation. Some I actually did track and, and were prosecuted. Uh, but uh, actually, the one that hurts me the most is the human trafficking case that I had. I had an active one, uh, righteous, and uh, that's going to fall by the wayside. There are going to be current uh, juvenile victims in the state of Florida who are being trafficked and uh, never addressed. Real quickly, Steve, we only got 20 seconds. FBI taking bank records without a subpoena seems odd. Where's the Fourth Amendment on this? Well, it's just collusion between big government and big business, big tech, and it, uh, it's something that they hopefully the Congress can take up during appropriations. All right, folks, when we come back, Brandon Arnold from National Taxpayers Union is going to be here. He has got some amazing things to talk about, about debt, about rising interest rates, about the state of the American credit card which, by the way, is very, very taxed, right? We know that. Now, before we go to a commercial break, I want to welcome back one of our great sponsors, Meats by Lynn's. You know I love to grill. I think you do, too. And now that we're in the summer season, there's no better steak that you can get. I know five-star 
steakhouse steak, better that you can get at your house than what comes from the Linz shop, L-I-N-Z. The Linz shop, of course, is run by Meats by Linz. They have some of the greatest steaks you can have. And with Father's Day coming up, why not reward your dad, your grandpa, your loved one in your life with one of those quality steaks? And guess what? Because you're a Just the News John Solomon Reports fans, you're going to get 15% off your order. All you got to do is go to shoplins.com, shoplinz.com, and put in the offer code JUSTNEWS. You know how to use that. We do that for a lot of our great things. You're going to bring a five-star dining experience to your backyard, to your dinner table. That's going to thrill your dad, your grandpa, that loved one in your life who'll be celebrating Father's Day this June. So don't waste any time. Go take advantage of this. They've got everything from gourmet beef, franks, and hamburgers, steak burgers, actually, to some of the best steaks in the world, porterhouses, tomahawks, you name it, even party packs if you're planning for a big summer party. Go today to ShopLins, ShopLins, S-H-O-P-L-I-N-Z.com, ShopLins.com, L-I-N-Z.com. Go there today, get 15% off. One more time, ShopLins.com. All right, folks, we'll be back in just a second with a great conversation about the budget. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. I'm very excited to have this next guest on. I have been in this town for a long time, and whenever I need a sage voice on all things taxpayer money, protecting your money, protecting common sense spending in America. I always turn to this group, the National Taxpayers Union. They are a voice of reason in a sea of spending insanity in Washington. And we're lucky to be joined right now by Brandon Arnold, the Executive Vice President of the National Taxpayers Union. Brandon, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much, John. And thanks for the kind words about NTU. Oh, you guys do such great work. And there's so few people these days that seem to care about how taxpayers' money is being spent. But you guys have been there for a long time defending it and highlighting it and trying to make a situation better for everyday taxpayers. There is a great moment ahead of us. If there's a judgment day, it's just a few weeks off, I guess, a real opportunity for Congress to change the arc of spending with the debt deal. Democrats want to keep spending. They want to just double the size of an already tapped out credit card. Republicans want to shrink it. Tell us where we are at this moment. How do you handicap where both sides enter into the final negotiations? Well, for the first time in literally months, we're actually seeing some signs of progress and some reasons for optimism, because McCarthy, along with Schumer, Biden, and all of their surrogates, 
have begun to make a little bit of progress. We don't know a lot about the contents of that deal, but what has leaked out are some positive reforms. Now, listen, if you and I are sitting around the negotiating table, we're gonna produce a much different deal, of course, than what's gonna come out of these conversations. But I think we will actually get a little bit of deficit reduction, legitimate deficit reduction, when it's all said and done. And I'm not sure I would have said that with a great deal of confidence even a week ago. Yeah, I think the last meeting showed, the weekend and the the last meeting on Tuesday, I think showed that Joe Biden knows he's got to do a deal now. There's a change in dynamics. I've lived through several of these debt cliffs here in Washington, and the Republicans are always the last minute, here's our solution, and the Democrats already had demagogued them and cornered them. This time, Republicans are out front. It's the Democrats that are uh, being asked, where's your plan? What are you going to do? How important was it for Kevin McCarthy to flip around and end up having the upper hand in negotiations by having something that's kind of quite popular with, with the American public? Yeah, that was huge. Uh, it's been over three weeks now since they passed the Limit Save Grow Act. It's a very good bill. Trillions of dollars of debt reduction, deficit reduction over the next 10 years. Not a perfect bill, but it's a great bill. But what it did, as you kind of allude to there, is it changed the dynamics of these negotiations. The House of Representatives is the only entity that has put forward and passed a plan. Schumer didn't even introduce a clean debt ceiling proposal until May 1st, well after the Republicans in the House had passed their plan. Biden has pounded the table and demanded a clean debt bill, but he hasn't actually started to turn the wheels of action on Capitol Hill and House Democrats well, they just got out of the gates with their discharge petition, a real Hail Mary strategy that isn't going anywhere, particularly this late in the game. Democrats were caught doing basically nothing. They were caught flat-footed because they didn't think McCarthy could get a bill to through the, through the House of Representatives. They didn't think he could get his moderates and his more conservative members on board on the same package. And he proved everybody wrong to his credit. Yeah, it really is remarkable. And with four, really a four-vote margin, there's very little room for missing. And, and he seems to keep threading the needle. And there's an unusual unanimity in the caucus that I haven't seen in a long time. Maybe the beginning of the Newt Gingrich era back in 94, 95, there was some of this. But it's, it's really stunning that sort of everyone has different opinions, but they all are content. They're all intent on working to get them resolved and get the best deal that everyone can sign off on. Everyone seems to have a seat at the table, and that really has some pretty important stuff. Where do you see the debate talks go next? Well, I mean, obviously, the president's overseas. He's going to cut that trip short, apparently. That's a sign that he wants to negotiate more. What do you think are the next crucial signs we should be watching for? And where is the compromise likely to fall? Yeah, I think heading into next legislative week, I think that's when we're going to probably see a package really start to come together, not just an agreement in principle, but legislative text start to be pieced together and to start to write a bill. The Senate is out next week. The Senate is in recess next week. So Schumer is in all likelihood going to have to bring those members back from uh, states all across the country to, to vote in the, the latter part, I'm guessing, the latter part of next week. The House, I, I, I'm hopeful, again, a lot of this is speculation. I'm hopeful the House will pass something uh, early next week, maybe the middle of next week. Now, of course, all of that requires things to come together, the stars to align and so forth. But based on what I'm hearing from Capitol Hill and based on the news reports that are coming out to the public, it does look like we are getting closer to that point. Uh, and, and that's really clear. You know, even even if we get really close to the X date, which is supposedly June 1 without crossing it, 
Markets are going to get very skittish. We are going to start to see um, some some uh, activity taking place in financial markets that we don't want to see as the fear level and stress level rises and rises. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. It really is an interesting moment. And obviously, Senate being out changes the dynamic a little bit. I guess I guess they could schedule something quickly if they had to. As you look out over the horizon over the next few weeks, there's a lot of things that I think Americans are still educating themselves on. And one of them is we got used to free money, right? We got used to interest rates being so low that borrowing really didn't have much of a consequence to it. But now the interest rates are going up to slow down or in an effort to slow down stubborn inflation. And that means the debt service of the United States government is just becoming double, triple more expensive than it used to be. How important is it that we may soon have a trillion dollars in debt service payments, which would be more than we used to spend on the entire military budget? Yeah, I mean, we're getting to that point. You know, we're, I think in 2022, $475 billion in interest payments just to service the debt, nearly a half a trillion dollars. And those are big numbers. To put that in context, that's far larger than the entire GDP of the country of Denmark, of Egypt, of South Africa, uh, right around where Austria is. And we're going to be above that half trillion dollar mark this year, regardless of what happens in these uh, these debt negotiations. So that number, like you said, that's only going to go up unless we do something about it in a very serious manner, because every dollar that we're borrowing today, the debt service payments are more expensive than they were a couple of years ago when inflation was very, very low, interest was very, very low. Now that interest rates are creeping up, it becomes more and more expensive. We're hitting that debt spiral issue where we just can't even keep up with our interest payments and they begin to crowd out important services, important functions of government. And those necessitate tax increases. Tax increases slow down economic growth require more debt. So, you know, these problems just keep snowballing and snowballing unless we do something about it. And that's what really frustrates me when you hear people say, oh, let's touch this program, but not that program. Let's let's deal with domestic discretionary spending, but let's leave entitlements alone, for instance. You hear that a lot, even from Republicans. We do, right? Yeah. But what do we do when, when those trust funds get exhausted? You know, we're looking at exhaust, exhausting the Medicare trust fund in a few years, Social Security trust fund in 10 years. If we wait into that point, it becomes much, much more difficult to take action to fix those imbalances. You're looking at big benefit cuts. You're looking at huge tax increases. All of these things that we don't want to do. It's much better to fix the problem now. Yeah, such a great point. I mean, we're larding, particularly with current interest rates, we're larding even more burden on future generations of Americans if we don't start to haul this in. And when the debt service payment, the interest rate payments that the government ex- exceeds some countries' GDP, uh, there's a red warning sign. I think we exceed the current GDP of Denmark. That's a warning sign, I think, to most Americans. As you look out now, there are some other things that I think Americans are looking to prioritize because right after they finish the debt ceiling, they got to get to the first budget of the Republican Congress and maybe the first budget that Congress has formally passed in a very long time. There seems to be some high priorities. Revising permitting, it seems like there's some bipartisan agreement that permitting has gotten out of control and it's slowing down economic growth and common sense. There seems to be some bipartisan agreement, though maybe not from the White House yet, that recovering COVID funds that weren't spent when we're no longer in the pandemic, that that makes some sense. And then there's the tougher one of where to cut spending. All three of those are big opportunities for Republicans to put an impeter on the government. What is your 
wish list. When you look at that, what does NTU go out and say, you know what, here are some things that are low-hanging fruit you could get through. Even Democrats would say, that's a good idea. Yeah, the low-hanging fruit is, is few and far between, unfortunately, because every spending program has a beneficiary in Washington that has a, a, a team of lobbyists working to preserve those those funds and keep them in the federal budget, unfortunately. But I do think there is some progress, uh, some potential for progress on areas like like permitting reform. And what we're seeing now, Republicans have been complaining about this for years and years. We can't develop energy projects. We can't build infrastructure all because of these environmental review processes. And, and listen, I don't think we should be building things in sensitive environmental areas, of course, but we shouldn't have a review process that takes 10 years or longer. That just doesn't make sense. These review processes need to be expedited. They need to happen more efficiently and on a reasonable timeline. Now, what's happened lately is Democrats have started to get frustrated with this because they've spent so much money, too much money, if you ask me, on alternative energy projects. And we saw that to a great extent with uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, more than a trillion dollars in energy tax credits trying to build uh, you know, solar, wind, other types of renewable energy. Well, that's all well and good, but those have to go through the same permitting processes as a natural gas plant would, or the transmission lines to carry the energy from that new renewable facility to the grid. Those have to go through the same permitting processes. So all of a sudden they're getting just as frustrated as Republicans who have wanted energy independence and more domestic production for, for decades because they can't get their pet projects built. So I think reasonable people are starting to see that these these problem, these processes are just simply broken. They're not achieving their desired gains. And they're just basically acting as a huge break on our, on our economy. And, and hopefully there is some progress there. It's not something that I personally think should be included in the debt ceiling, because I think that should be just laser focused on our debt and deficit problem. But it is something that's really, really important to our economy and to our, our nation's uh, financial well-being, as, as well as our national security, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. There is a lot of, I think, recognition in the American people that, that we're not on a sustainable future, that we just can't keep spending this way, that $5 trillion of tax revenue seem to be plenty to live on, and yet we seem to exceed it. Will this become an issue like it did in the 94 election? Will this become an issue that's actually palpable in the polls and people are actually saying it's time to get our financial house in order? I think a lot of people feel like this might be the first election in a long time that this becomes a measurable, movable issue in the election. Yeah, I think that's a great observation, John. And I was actually up in New Hampshire earlier this week, and, and no, I'm not running for president. That's what you're going to ask. <laughs> hey, yeah, you always have to uh, say but... that when you mention New Hampshire. <laughs> uh, uh, that's exactly. <laughs> um, I was up there, and I was, I was talking to people, and I asked a number of people, what is the biggest issue that you are concerned about right now? What is what is the one that you are watching these members of, of Congress or governors or whomever as they're coming through New Hampshire? What do you want to hear from them? And and Every single person I asked brought up the national debt. And I thought that was a real rarity. Ah, that's uh, amazing. So often you, you hear, you know, border security, energy, Second Amendment issues, whatever. But I heard so many people talking about the debt. And I think one of the things, one of the very few silver linings in the pandemic has been people appreciate more than ever the need for financial 
responsibility, fiscal responsibility yeah, from the government point. because we saw such reckless spending, trillions and trillions of dollars like our nation had never seen before. And what were the result of that? Sure, some of it was helpful. Some of it helped prop up small businesses and kept individuals able to pay their mortgage and so forth. But but we spent way too much. Everybody knows that. And the inflation, the ensuing inflation, runaway inflation was directly connected in the minds of voters to that excessive spending. And now they want to see it undone. So I think you're right. I think this is going to be a bigger issue than it has been for decades, probably going back to the 90s when, when we actually did see Republicans and Democrats working together. We saw action on bipartisan uh, 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 balanced budget amendments to the United States Constitution. We actually saw a balanced budget overall in, in the early 2000s. Uh, I think I'm hopeful. Maybe I'm being too optimistic to the point of naivety, but I'm hopeful that we are starting to turn the tide and get back to those types of conversations. Yeah, no, I think that is a good hopefulness. I, I think there's reason to see in the polling data, just in talking to voters, they understand that we've become unsustainable in our spending patterns. And, and I think they want to fix that and not leave that for another generation to fix. So it's a fascinating time. Brandon, it's always an honor to have you and anyone from NTU on. T just real quickly for our audience, what's the best way for people to stay in touch with all the great work that NTU does? Well, we're, of course, on the web, ntu.org, National Taxpayers Union. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, all over social media. Please check us out. We'd love to have you reading our articles, commenting on articles, and and of course, supporting our organization. Yeah, that would be fantastic. All right. Well, folks, go check that out. It's very easy to remember. NTU, NationalTaxpayersUnion.org. Very easy to find. A valuable resource. As a journalist, I check it often because we learn so much and there's no one more serious about the state of America's fiscal health than what NTU does every day. So go check them out. Brandon, great to have you on. I know we're going to need you on real soon. This is not going away anytime in the near future. <laughs> anytime, John. Thank you so much. All right, folks, that wraps up the Friday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So grateful you can join us. A big thank you to all of our guests. We've had some great ones this week. I'm still thinking about the interview I did a couple of days ago with Congressman Bill Posey. That was pretty exciting. Well, as we go into the weekend, and we'll have some more programming over the weekend. We always do. We try to serve you well seven days a week there. A big thank you today to Alan Dershowitz, the great law professor, Brandon Arnold from National Taxpayers Union, and of course, the now former FBI agent, the FBI whistleblower, Steve Friend, who made history before Congress yesterday in that incredible hearing on the weaponization of the government. Big thank you. Have a great weekend. God bless you. We'll have more programming tomorrow, Saturday, the Saturday edition of John Solomon Reports from Just the News. Until then, God bless you and God bless this great country, as he always has. You know what you do. Go to justthenews.com 24-7. We've got you covered. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? 
Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion. Hunter Biden and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events. And you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.